0: Today, Annie McLaughlin here for this week's edition of Stick Together, focusing on union news, workers' stories and social justice issues. This program is produced in the Melbourne studios of 3CR on the stolen lands of the Kulin Nation, and we pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging. Australia is in lockdown. Deserted streets, empty supermarket shelves, stage and picture theatres closed Concert and festivals cancelled, galleries and libraries shut. Workers are facing the prospect of self-isolation for up to 14 days to contain the spread of the COVID-19 virus if they show symptoms. At the front line, the casualised workforce made desperate by low wages, no conditions and the prospect of homelessness. In this program, I took the opportunity to have a long chat with Josh Cullinan from the newest union, RAFU, the Retail and Fast Food Workers Union, about coronavirus from his members' point of view. But we started with the overall better-off test, or the boot test, which RAFU has been able to use to fend off the downward pressure on the low wages of his members at the Fair Work Commission – at a recent big end-of-town event, Michael Blythe, Chief Economist and Managing Director, Commonwealth Bank of Australia, showed a slide giving the Productivity Commission suggestions for key reforms to lever Australia out of the recession about to knock us into the pit. One of the suggestions was the axing of the better overall test in workplace agreements.
1: The major retailers fast food operators in Australia. They want to see the destruction of the Better Off overall test because it is the one thing that RAFLU has used uh, over the last three years to return almost a billion dollars a year in wages to the lowest paid workers. And they know that. It's as simple as that, that these major retailers and fast food companies know that the Better Off overall test is the mechanism by which we've been able to return Um, so much back to these workers, and that's why they want
0: it gone. Talk talk to the listeners about what the better overall test, the BOOT, is, how it relates to a basic sense of fairness and justice.
1: Yeah, sure. So, so, So before 2010, we had what was called the No Disadvantage Test, and for a period under work choices, we just had uh, no test at all and then a fairness test. But for most of the 20 years before 2010, there was a test called the No Disadvantage Test. And that, include, that was basically an assessment across the workforce for a new enterprise agreement or a new collective agreement that was made for a workplace, uh, for a workforce. Um, it had to pass the No Disadvantage Test. And it was a test of whether everyone under that agreement would, on average, be better off would not be worse off than if they were on the award. And um, the vast majority of unions uh, never really got into the space of consideration of that test because they were able to secure really great outcomes um, in various agreements, 5.30%, sometimes 100% more than the minimum rates in the award. But in retail and fast food, we had the SDA cutting deals, which would see many workers worse off and some workers sometimes um, better off. And under that no disadvantage test, very, very often workers uh, were disadvantaged in retail and fast food, but little was done about it. Then in 2010, the better-off overall test was introduced, and it changed the arrangement so that the test was for every worker. Every employee and every prospective employee had to be better off under, the, under any new enterprise agreement than they were under the award. Um, and it's just a, a matter of notoriety now that every single retail and fast food major company, um, every one of them that had an SDA deal, had workers that were worse off and the, and the better off test was... Um, ..which should never have been approved by the Fair Work Commission. Um, but that test is a fundamental test to ensure that when a, an agreement struck, which locks workers out from industrial action for sometimes four years, when that agreement struck, it makes sure that every single worker is better off under that agreement than under the award. Now, there's parts of that test which the Commission just gets wrong um, from time to time, but the most obvious set of circumstances is wages, and you must be able to show that workers are going to earn more when they work uh, under the agreement than they would earn under the award, and that's why it's such an important test, and that's why these employers want to see it gone. They've they benefited effectively at a uh, Woolies or at any other major retailer. They've had no penalty rates on weekday evenings, no penalty rates on Saturdays, and they halved the penalty rate on Sundays for a few percent more on a base rate. At places like McDonald's, they just abolished all weekend penalty rates, um, a few percent on the base rate, but the vast majority of workers, we now know it was two-thirds to, um, to 80% of workers, were losing thousands of dollars under these agreements, and the numbers are huge. At McDonald's, it's $130 million a year they weren't paying. At Woolworths, it's well over $200 million a year. So you can see there's a lot of vested interest in destroying um, this better-off overall test.
0: It was interesting when uh, you began this process that it started with a, um, a deal that uh, SDA made with Coles, and I was actually witness the... Uh, uh, Fair Work Commission uh, process that you're involved in. And I was actually quite shocked at how uh, flimsy the uh, uh, Coles arrangements were and how how much effort, though, it took for, you know, four brave individuals, dedicated individuals to push back, uh, how uh, important it is for people to work together to get a better result.
1: No, absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, Look, there's a real serious issue here about the role of the Fair Work Commission in all of what's gone on. Um, And when that case was run, it was a a live concern for us that we needed to make sure when the um, test was being applied, when the appeal was being heard, that we had um, a rolled gold case that we couldn't be uh, rolled by the multi-million dollar legal teams of Coles and the SDA um, and the commissioners themselves. Uh, you know, we've, we've put in last week a submission to the wage theft in- Senate inquiry, which goes to goes to some lengths to show just how involved the Fair Work Commission. And that, and that case was a good example. I had done the analysis. I had provided it all to the commissioner, um, but he still approved the agreement and it had to be run as an appeal over a year to overturn that approval. And that same commissioner approved the McDonald's agreement and approved the KFC agreement. a KFC agreement, when he had evidence put to him that 58% of workers were going to be worse off financially, but that he had approved the McDonald's deal and so he should approve that KFC Queensland deal as well. So, so it's really concerning that all of these people uh, involved in the approval process would have either got it so wrong or, what we allege, have been intimately involved in the legalising, well, the unlawful legalising of wage theft. So hopefully more comes out in the Senate inquiry about that. Uh, but the undermining of the better-off overall test started uh, immediate. well, it happened under all of those SDA deals, but immediately after we won that um, hard appeal versus Coles, the word got out that the SDA and the employers were in Canberra and they were trying to weaken the boot test. Uh, listeners should be aware that the boot the boot test uh, was the business model for the SDA. It could help employers undermine that boot. And now that it can no longer, because of Rafflu's role, uh, now that it can no longer fundamentally save these massive employers hundreds of millions of dollars, it has no role um, in the ordinary sense uh, for these employers. And we saw uh, just in February, um, McDonald's, uh, cease its very long-standing 20-year relationship with the SDA and, and cease payroll deductions to the SDA because it could no longer rely on the SDA to hand it a $130 million windfall every year. So, um, yeah, so once we heard in 2016 that the boot was under attack, it, it was a core reason why we um, decided to come together and form RAFLU.
0: About the Fair Work Commission... It's been uh, pointed out that there has been a major skewing of the uh, political uh, tenor of the uh, choices onto the Fair Work Commission since this uh, Liberal National Party got into power federally. It's getting to become uh, very uh, unbalanced.
1: Well, well, I mean, we would say that the Labor appointments uh, were were not particularly worker-friendly, um, and, um, but certainly, um, the, uh, successive appointments by the Liberal IR ministers, um, of, uh, persons with employer backgrounds has, has made the tenor of the commission, uh, very clear in our mind. I think, no doubt, um, the vast majority of commissioners, um, bring, uh, a level of independence, um, to their role, but, um, we didn't hold back, you know, and our, our Senate inquiry submission on wage theft is that, uh, a, a structure that helps um, a cheap, an affordable structure that helps workers secure underpayments should not be given to the Fair Work Commission. Um, you know, these commissioners haven't been appointed through some judicial process or some independent committee. It's the IR minister of the day, the, the political party of the day that appoints commissioners. Um, and we believe that a full, um, robust uh, process needs to be used to appoint uh, wage theft commissioners to ensure that of workers get the money that's owed to them. Um, And we see it in many of the structures. For example, the conciliation process for unfair dismissals of the Fair Work Commission now is turning more and more into a farce. We have conciliators that are supposed to be independent conciliators um, trying to pressure and cajole workers um, and convince workers they're not supposed to provide any legal views, opinions or advice, but every single conciliation I participate in, um, I have workers being told that, you know, that they need to take the outcome, that the outcome's a great outcome, and that no one gets reinstated. So, so the process has become heavily politicised and has been, um, and the tenor has radically shifted. Um, but I don't think it was necessarily ever a bastion of worker democracy, um, but certainly it's very difficult now for workers to get satisfactory outcomes of the Fair Work Commission. <laughs>
0: You are on Stick Together, Workers' Stories, Union News and Social Justice Issues. We are talking with the Secretary of the Retail and Fast Food Workers' Union, Josh Cullinan. I asked him about what his members are reporting about how their working lives have been affected by the onslaught of the COVID-19 virus that has required a shutdown of major events and panic buying as Australia reaches the containment phase of the pandemic. Can we turn to uh, the uh, COVID-19 virus? Uh, Your members will be, all generally speaking, uh, at counters, uh, dealing with the public. What's happening with your members now that this virus is uh, now um, shutting down effectively major uh, urban areas?
1: I think that there's two elements to what's going on. There's the um, escalation in offender abuse of our members and the occupational violence that they bring into our member workplaces. Um, it's it's remarkable that the police are able to de- dedicate their resources to shutting down protests and to prosecuting. At the same time, they're unable to, to attend these workplaces quickly and to stop those offenders that are threatening to kill our members, assaulting our members or um, abusing our members. These are serious criminal offences and those that Our members that harass our members, that assault our members, should be facing um, criminal sanction. Our members are uh, facing all sorts of inappropriate conduct. We have members that are being set upon in car parks. of uh, claims that we're making today um, on all of the employers about infectious diseases leave. There has just not been enough discussion about infectious diseases leave anywhere that we've seen in the mainstream media. Infectious diseases leave is a very common entitlement for the public service, for schools, for universities, for lots of workplaces that are in the public um, and government sphere. Um, And infectious diseases leave would guarantee workers for the time that they're quarantined, isolated or ill, um, and we we are insisting that um, that be put in place. The the so-called promises that have been made by some employers, are claims by the SDA as, as providing casuals sick leave. Uh, you know these workplaces are just not going to roster their casuals. There's no sick leave for someone who's not rostered. Uh, some Woolworths may have you know a forward rostering of some hours for a week or two. We know that once someone's actually sick, they're not going to be rostered or two um, so we 're demanding that they all pay the average wage for the last six months as a form of infectious diseases leave it shouldn 't be lost on uh, on listeners as well that places like kmart are eighty five percent casual eighty five percent under the age of twenty one you know seventy five to eighty percent casual at, at mcdonald 's very casualized workforces a big w at target so these are huge issues for the workers in those spaces the other one that we 're starting to see which is i guess where you um, commented Annie, is that this Issue of employers starting to de-roster staff. So over the weekend, we've had Liquorland um, communicate to managers that uh, they should assume a 10% reduction in income and a 10% reduction in rosters. We're seeing um, casuals be cut off rosters and part-time workers have their hours, uh, any extra hours. They usually work um, cut right back and we'll no doubt see that um, expand across the retail economy over the, the coming weeks. Again, we're insisting that these are huge companies. These are multi-billion dollar companies. They're not the local corner store that's going to go broke if workers are paid for uh, a few months when the store is shut. And even in those circumstances, solutions should be found that have a co-responsibility with the employer that has relied on casual work for a long time. But these major employers can certainly afford to continue to pay workers, including casual workers, over the next few months the average wage they have been earning uh, in the past six months. And so we're insisting they do that. We don't have a great deal of faith in these um, profit-driven companies, so we'll be trying to agitate amongst our members to pursue those claims. This is a serious time, I think, though, for um, all workers, because if we start seeing retail um, close down, then... We are uh, we're very concerned that the employers will rely on stand-down provisions, which will quickly exhaust the annual leave. Um, our members don't have much annual leave already. The employers insist they take it um, and force them to take it. Um, so the annual leave will be exhausted very quickly and then they'll be stood down without wages. That would be you know, a disaster for very low-paid workers who have had billions and billions of dollars stripped from their wages over the last uh, two decades with the help of the FCA, um these workers, um, are, are, you know, will be on the edge um, if there's a major shutdown in retail. And no doubt that's already happening to many hospitality workers that the United Workers Union represents. So, um, so yeah, we're very concerned about the impact of COVID. We're taking those next steps in terms of claims on the employer and fighting for those. We'll um, be actively involved if there is a campaign for rent strike or other actions. Um, we'll be actively involved in supporting our members um, in those systems as well. Uh, We can't have this used as a a means of um, of massive sales and profits being driven in these weeks only to see our members made um, homeless and um, and have no wages in in the weeks ahead.
0: Multinationals have moved right across the world. They've uh, established these business models that require their profits to rely on casualisation part timeism, underemployment, and now that we've got this uh, pandemic, do you think that this is showing the fundamental weaknesses of our economic system and how it breaks up society?
1: So the lived reality for millions of casual workers um, uh, can be very seasonal already. Um, and uh, I guess the distinction is that in the until now we've seen casual workers fall in and out of... Um, you know, of home security, of homelessness, of being able to put food on their kids' table, of um, going without themselves. Um, we've seen many workers sort of fall in and out of that on an individual level uh, rather than on a mass collective level, which is what we're um, possibly going to see over the next uh, few months. So it does it does show it up in in a more direct way. But, you know, I've been a, an active campaigner in the casual workspace since I was a casual worker in the late 90s. Um, there the, the just it hasn't been, and there isn't, a coherent um, and well resourced uh, action body for casual workers in Australia. Um, and you know, I had I had a massive uh, debate, I guess, um, with Jeff Lawrence while he was leading the ACTU about the fundamental failures by um, Kelty and Ferguson and um, others to use the 80s and 90s as a, as a leverage to reduce casualisation.
0: I mean, you can't have people not being able to get food and, have and losing their homes because they've all got to go and uh, be there for 14 days and, you know what I mean, like the, the yeah. whole system just collapsed, is collapsing yes. over a, a, a fortnight period. I mean, really, yes. that's ridiculous.
1: Yes, it's absolutely ridiculous, and it is showing, exactly as you've described, that the whole system is propped up on a very low-paid workforce with no job security and who are living week to week. You know, these companies, these payday loans companies, are making huge profits for a reason, and it's because people that are working in very low-paid employment simply don't have the money to get their car service that they need yeah. to be able to get to work.
0: It's like the government's out to lunch or in cahoots.
1: They understand. They, they have all of the all of the math, and they've got the resource and, unfortunately, the intellect to know exactly what they're doing. Um, they, they understand the proportion of the workforce that is entirely reliant um, on the wages that they earn that week and are already heavily in debt. They know that these... The vast majority of these workers are unable to sustain long periods without um, further wages, um, and that they'll be forced onto um, onto a new start payment, which is uh, so far below the poverty rate, uh, it's a joke. Um, but but they don't. Unfortunately, they just don't care. I mean, the, the, these, this government um, knows that a compliant uh, workforce uh, helps drive immense profits for the wealthy, and and that's. You know, and that's partly why the new start is so low. It's to um, it's to make sure that there is a compliant workforce that will do anything for a casual job, where they're getting injured, they're getting abused, um, they're, they're working at hours which are um, unsocial, and um, for decades they were paid wages so far below the minimum wage that it's cost them billions of dollars. So I think that the, the federal government know know only too well. Um, the situation of workers—they just don't care.
0: So it's a fighting union that has to to uh, defend. And also, what do you think about this? What appears to be a bit of a pittance, I'll have to say, seven hundred and whatever dollars uh, given out to people in on March the thirty-first.
1: You know, I think um, it's just such a parlor situation that we would um, that we're forced really to to celebrate. Um, the, the small amount of money that's being given to um, to to families and to um, people that have had so little for so long um, it should be a huge a huge amount more it should be a sustained increase it should be the lifting of all of these rates to to a living rate um, but um, we're forced to celebrate it because it's because it's something I think that we're going to see a much more a much much greater issue as as schools and uni's are shut and as other steps are taken over the coming weeks and months um, there's just there's just going to have to be um, a more direct intervention to ensure that everyone has the necessities of life you know we can't have uh, the cops helping landlords evict workers you know we can't have massive increases in homelessness we can't have people not being able to eat Um, we've already got that uh, at the moment, and unless there's major intervention, which, you know, as a unionist, we believe that comes about through mass action of workers. And no doubt, if we try and take to the streets in any mass action, the cops will um, shut that down too as being in breach of you know, some new draconian measure. Um, so, yeah, it, it's going to require the direct action of very many workers in very many different ways to ensure that everyone has the necessities of life. It'll be interesting to see how fast food... Um, is impacted. I think that, you know, we're going to have people driving through drive-through no matter what um, but um, the, the retailers you know, there's 1.4 million workers in retail, um, even a, if a Woolies or a Coles has to eventually put in place systems to, you know, thinking about they're obviously not sharing it with us but, but they must have plans in place to be able to close to the public but still provide um, a customer service.
0: Oh, um, maybe they'll do you know, the truck deliveries.
1: Well, yeah, I think Woolies is where I'm back on that um, just now in Victoria, um, but that they'll have to have some. It may be that there, you know, that there's a a pick up process um, that's monitored, or you, that um, that there's huge numbers of workers involved, and and people that you know have no savings, um, have, don't own their own home, you know, are renting, and. Um, and rely have relied on it for for decades. Um, so it'll be it'll be hard times ahead, I think. Um, and unfortunately, uh, there's a large part of the economy that that um, has access to things like infectious diseases. Leave. I mean, imagine if all of our school staff and our other public um, service staff um, were stood down without yeah. pay. Um, there would just there'd be no base to provide a um, uh, monetary income. So. But uh, they're, they're, these are, you know, these are also going to be wake up times as well. I think, you know, the, the measures that are being taken at the moment will be reflected on next year as being um, entirely replicable for action on climate change. Um, and, you know, I think that some of the steps that are being taken now are hopefully waking up um, many young workers about what's possible when a nation acts together.
0: That's it for Stick Together this week. Stick Together is produced at 3CR Studios in Melbourne and made possible through the financial support of the Community Radio Foundation and broadcast on the Community Radio Network and you hear it through your local community radio station. The podcast is available at 3cr.org.au or on iTunes and you can contact the producers of the show at sticktogether3cr at gmail.com or by calling 03 9419 8377. My name's Annie McLaughlin. Keep safe and support each other in these hard times. Remember, wherever you are, whatever you do, there is a union for you. And until next time, stick together. New direction, and we ain't gonna
1: stop now till the job is done.
0: Come on, all good workers, this year is our time. Now, there's folks in Washington that care what's on our mind.